Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Johnny Smith. I'm Richard Porter. And this is Smith & Sniff, a podcast in which two friends talk about cars and many other things. Cheers, mate. Thanks, mate. Bye. I forgot. <laughs> that is a that is a, a catchphrase which just popped into my head um, a couple of nights ago when I couldn't sleep. And I realised there used to be a chap that ran a chip shop in Somerset. And he yeah. would... He would he would say, you're going to have to say it, you, you try now. So he says, cheers, mate, thanks, mate, bye. All, imagine if that was one word. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, like in German. The Germans have just one word for, what is it? Cheers, mate, thanks, mate, bye. Yes. Oh, it's hard. It's actually hard. Cheers, mate, thanks, mate, bye. You, cheers, mate, thanks, mate, bye. The second mate doesn't flow into the bye so well. So you've no. Got, you've got a, cheers, mate, thanks, mate, bye. Cheers, mate, thanks, mate, bye. <laughs> and... When you're in a queue, like a you know a Friday, a, b- a busy chip night, um, yeah. you and you were I don't know ten deep in the queue, you'd hear this a lot, and, and it and I'd completely forgotten about it until I um, <laughs> couldn't get to sleep the other night, and I'm rec- uh, just for clarity, although most people won't give a flying toss, but if the acoustics are a little different, I'm recording this from a hotel room in Norway. So, uh, so there, <laughs> so there. That's that. One of your, um, one of your twice yearly aha pilgrimages. Yeah, that's right. I'm here. I've got yep. a ne- got a neck scarf on, and um, I'm standing on some. I've been standing at- atop some amazingly jagged boulders, sort of singing into the sky. It's very atmospheric. You should try it. I thought you'd be just standing in front of the mirror, looking at yourself, but it's a pencil drawing of yourself. Well, I did ask for some extra paper from the hotel because I got what is an, an A an A five a shallow A five pad, and I've sellotaped lots of different pages together to make A two, and uh, <laughs> and then I just stood in the mirror with just a towel on and yeah. just sketched my top yeah. half. Yeah, and then some bikers came at you with a with a an adjustable spanner. They're hanging around outside actually. But of course now, oh, because bastards. Norway's predominantly electric these days, so it's actually an electric bike, so you can't hear it coming, which is irritating, because before... Oh, that's even worse. You can hear that it was probably it, a bit of an ex-Nazi motorbike with a, maybe a flat twin. And, um, it makes it a bit less threatening, though, doesn't it? Because I think part of the, the sort of menace of a bike gang is the thunderous noise of their engines. Completely. Absolutely. And... Um, I thought this about, you know, the, 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 the new kind of wave of crime gangs in London, which are just, mm. which are hoodies on, they used to be on Boris bikes, and now they're on those stupid little scooters with the flashing lights on the, on the front and back. And which I've got to say, as much as I, I like a lot of machinery, I just don't, I see these grown people riding around on scooters with, four inch wheels at 25 miles an hour and you just go yeah. have you ever heard of cycling 
I mean, have you ever heard of cycling? <laughs> because cycling's actually cool and it's good for you and it, and you look all right cycling. Whereas on a tiny little scooter, you just like a complete dom. It must stop. Now, funnily enough, well, probably a year ago, the scooters arrived in Bath Bath and people started wobbling about up and down the hills here. I... Have I mentioned this before? I was coming back from a drink in town one night and I thought, oh, I can't be bothered to walk up the big hill. I'll uh, I'll get one of these scooters. Stood in the street going through all the faff of signing up for the app. Oh, gosh, don't. And then discovered that they lock out after 10.30. What, there's a scooter curfew? There's a scooter curfew for exactly the reason that I was about to... The, the, the reason I wanted one was because I was a bit drunk and I wanted to get home. That's so, why they lock out. So before pubs close, they, they, they shut off. Exactly. And, they go, um, uh-oh, all the fuckwits are coming in a minute. Let's lock all the scooters. So, yeah, they lock out. I think it's 10.30. And because uh, I was trying to get one at sort of 11.05 or something, no dice. Someone told me that, in fact, from a certain time onwards, 9, 9.30, they have an additional thing in the app. You you ping the, the scooter to to get it going and then it makes you do a sobriety test there's some kind of thing on the screen you have to do what yeah really they've thought about this and they're geofenced as well so that they won't go beyond a certain point i guess this is all commonplace it's just i'd never really looked at these scooters before. you can't we can't ride them airside at heathrow for example no <laughs> they're quite no. particular about that yeah. they don't want you doing that if you try and get on the m4 they tend to uh, start flashing a warning. <laughs> but um, they've well, the scooters are going, it seems, or have gone from where I live, and suddenly the bicycles have appeared, and I don't know why. Well, they can't, they can't beat the bicycles, ultimately. They just can't beat them. Well, I was wondering. You, they, but there's loads of crime. They're a prop, popular crime-committing tool, as in a getaway they they they've replaced the the petrol moped because I guess they're even more nimble and even quieter. Mm. But then, um, surely, if you've used your phone to activate one, I'm probably being very naive here. And there's a way that they've hacked them, or they're using stolen phones or something. But but surely, you, however you do it, you need an app with a bank card to get them going. So aren't you very trackable? Or God forbid, the criminals have bought something like. They've bought oh. a scooter. They asked Father oh. Christmas for a scooter. Oh, I see. These aren't the rented one. ones. Do you know, I don't even know. I don't know. I Rich. don't know either. You're listening I to Crime know. Watch, Britain's know. leading crime podcast. To We're know. listening to Clueless Crime Watch. Clueless we Crime Watch. We don't really know oh, what's I heard, happening. Uh, I heard a noise last night. Do you think it was a burglar? That's actually talking of intimidating motorbike noises. Um, when I was a student, one night I was sitting up late in my room like doing an essay or something that had to be in the next day you weren't doing this you were playing duck hunt on your nintendo no i I, (laughs) it was like 19 this would have been like 1994 or something i I didn't have all right super super nintendo you were playing f-zero i didn't i've never had a super nintendo i was i was okay there was i was there was like there was nothing to do in my room except listen to tapes and read uh, and then do work i suppose but th- that was it it's like the telly Amazing. was in the in we had one telly in the shared area yeah i didn't have a tv in my room uh well i did actually i borrowed a, one of those 
box, huge cubic ones from like an old person who didn't want it anymore. But that was just for playing Super Nintendo. That was all it was well, for. So I was definitely, I wasn't watching telly in my room because I didn't have a telly or a Super Nintendo. But I was in my room and I heard this crash outside like smashing glass. And I went to the window and lifted the blind. And just as I did, it was a really foggy night. And I just heard this coming out of the fog and then suddenly this guy on like a scrambler bike just burst from the fog and went down the street past where I lived and disappeared off into the fog again and it was there's something quite frightening about that as an image and it's mostly the noise that does it well, the and, noise of an angry the scrambler bike of, <laughs> the chances of an accident occurring as well I would suggest well yeah oh, but I mean it was, it was, you know, it was probably like two o'clock in the morning or so. It then turned out subsequently that like some cars had been broken into further down the street. So that's what it probably was. But um, yeah, the, uh, particularly in the fog, a foggy night. And then you hear, Meh. I'm trying to remember, maybe the bike didn't even have its lights on or something. If it wasn't even a street legal scrambler, it might not have had lights. Maybe not. But there was definitely it immediately just smelt of wrongness. F- fog is a thief's friend. I suppose so, yeah. Fog is very much a thief's friend. And high wind. Yeah. High wind? Yeah, high wind is a thief's friend. Yeah. I, I knew a guy that knew a guy who was a thief. <laughs> and um, <laughs> when I was at college, um, uh-huh, uh-huh. he actually said um, to my friend once, he said, oh, yeah, if it's a foggy night, busy night really busy but i don't know where wind fits into this well wind because if you need to clout something or or smash a window or something it's very easy to disguise it with with high wind because there's loads of other loads of other things going on someone told me once that um car thefts went up on rainy days a rain oh i hadn't factored in that element and i can't remember the Uh, reason but i'm going to say that i think it's because there are fewer people around on the street, so it's easier to get away with stuff. Oh. But I'm also wondering if it's just that it's maybe the very casual thief's just gone, ugh, it's raining, I can't be asked to walk home. I know, I'll steal a fiesta. <laughs> I don't know. I could be uh, wrong. It's that disco group, uh, Wind, Rain and Fog. Um, they were the sort of slightly yes. more robbery-esque <laughs> Earth, Wind and Fire. Yeah. <laughs> they were always on top of the pops. They always looked sopping wet when they were on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, you, you knew that if they were in the area, like if they were doing a gig, they would be, they'd be on the rob. Straight oh, I see, yeah. Before they left like- town. While their roadie was packing up the amps and the flashing lights and the mics, these guys, these guys, lawnmower gone. Oh well, yeah, gold lame. They'd be taking your hedge trimmer. (laughs) They're still dressed. (laughs) Disco crimes. (laughs) They'd wait till it was a foggy night. However, they were still in the most reflective flamboyant outfit that men and get caught robbing an XR2 wheel. Um, off the drive <laughs> with a really like wobbly wobbly scissor jack <laughs> god I hate those you know factory jacks I've got an absolute hatred for them they try well, to they're shit they try they? they're to, always shit well they don't yeah they don't really work and they're trying to harm you and the car yes there's I've, I, I avoid them at all costs yeah they they are the bare minimum aren't they they're just like what the manufacturer can get away with and there's always a sense the car's about to fall off them which is not enjoyable i'd rather they 
I'd rather they just supplied, I don't know, a couple of pieces of wood. And <laughs> don't know the number, the number to a strong friend. <laughs> I don't know, I just... What are you up just, to they're, they're so I'm, rubbish. Uh, I'm being paid by Ford to be someone's strong friend in the event of a puncture. Yeah, in the uh, area. They're in the area. So there, there's, there's the, regions of strong mates yeah. that manufacture yeah. OEMs have, have teamed up with. I mean, it's, it's not even strong mates, is it? It's just, but you know, someone like Peugeot's just got to hire like a thousand big lads. Big lads. This is, uh, yeah, we're looking for big lads in your area to come and, Ro- <laughs> to come lo- and help people. Look, posters shock go a up. Car up. Yes, Stellantis put posters up at the local rugby club. Oi, oi, lads. Yep. I wonder how much a, a factory jack costs. It's probably not much, is it? But there's still got to be a well, cost involved. It's not made out of high tensile steel. I know that much because they're always a bit wibbly wobbly. Yeah, a bit there's, a, there's sort of uh, there's bits to them, aren't there? There's like you know they're not just like a single stamping that they can knock out for sort of five p. No, there's there's that's true. There's assembly involved and mechanism and all sorts. And so there's probably I don't know. That's a good question. Hang on, so look on eBay and see what people sell factory jacks for. Factory jacks jack for sounds like Citroen. a person's name. Factory the, jack. Uh, yeah, Factory Jack. I'm just thinking, what, they don't pay these people very much. They give them a discount voucher on, say, servicing or buying a new car. Yes. But what they do allow them to do is they, they share what they share their work on Instagram and TikTok. Right, yeah. Which, you know, if okay. you're a strong guy, that's bravado, isn't it? I, um, yeah, I suppose so. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, like, oh, look, look at this. Look, Jack picked up this stranded old lady's um, Fiat Panda, one-handed. Here he is Are you on saying TikTok. that all of these big lads have to be called Jack? No, I'm not. I just couldn't think of another male name <laughs> okay. quickly. Just, I just wondered so if I this Because it's... Now, um, the... Uh, on the Ebays here, there's a, a jack for a Citroen C4 Picasso, and it's £66. Well, you can buy a bloody trolley jack for that. Well, I, mean, you, I know you, you didn't... I suppose you can. But, yeah. Well, let's... So, but let's assume... I know this is probably not right, but let's assume that it actually costs a car manufacturer five quid to make one of these jacks. Once you've got all the bits together and, you know... Assembled yeah. It. Yeah. If you then make five million cars a year, that's twenty-five million pounds. That can't be right because you could pay a lot of burly lads for that, couldn't you? It's actually a better spon- idea than you, we thought. Would you think you sponsor their local rugby club? You just say, "Look, we'll put we'll oh, put yeah. a hefty amount behind the bar every Christmas. We'll supply the shirts and the shorts." A um, yeah. couple of banners on the clubhouse. In fact, you know what? We'll replace the, the toilets at the clubhouse because I know they're ruined. Yeah. So, and there you go instantly. They're like, brilliant. So, what do we do? Well, one of you's got to be on call every day. All the time. Yeah, yeah. This is your patch. And there's, you've got a small jurisdiction because there's, there's a lot of rugby clubs about. Well, that's the um, thing. The rugby club is surely a fertile ground for recruiting a big lad or two. Of but course. Now, but some places are more rugby than others, aren't they? Like round here, very rugby. Yeah. Wales, super rugby. Very Scotland rugby. probably quite rugby as well. Wales, but Wales ultra rugby. There's a rugby yeah. club in every Welsh town. And um, but I'm trying to think. Are there some parts of the country are not so rugby? The Midlands. Midlands doesn't feel Norfolk, very rugby. It's to Norfolk rugby ish. 
Mm, I'm not sure I it don't is. Know. Don't know. Maybe the listeners like, can help. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are rugby clubs. I just think it might be harder work. Whereas, you know, yeah. if you went to Pontypridd and went, have you got any big rugby lads? They'd be like, <laughs> well, <laughs> take your pick. Yeah, of course we have. Um, so, okay, well, there's a little um, um, a little business tip for you there if you're a major car manufacturer. Such as I, um, when I was talking about kind of like robbing and stuff, uh, I mm. actually only I looked on social media this morning. Uh, you know the the DJ and TV presenter Jamie Theakston. Yes, he's 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 just had his he's had his beautiful Triumph stag stolen. I saw this. Yes, I feel bad for him because because no nobody wants nobody wants anything to get nicked. But it, he's he's no. pretty much just said he said you know good luck trying to sell on my car. It's very very recognisable and lots of people know about it and it's. It's green. Yeah. It's this amazing green with a green in leather interior. Like the whole interior is green, the same green as the outside. Yeah, I saw. Yeah. It's so. Yeah, it is. It's distinctive. I'm, I'm trying to bring up the registration number to do a bit of. Are we doing a bit to of, do a, a bit of good goodwill? I just I've got Theakston's original social media post here about it, and it oh, have you? Actually, you were, that yeah, was cool. it doesn't actually give the reg. Well, that's a bit of a... There's no... I don't see any updates either. So this was on... When was this? October the 2nd. So this was... Oh, God, this was like two weeks ago, pretty much. Mm. Yeah. So, um... Oh, well, there's... there's, I don't see any news from Theakston. Theakston, do you know, I was thinking sort of about this. I bet you've met him. Kind of. I bet you've met him. I've never met Theakston. Okay. I always thought he seems all right, but I couldn't speak from experience because I've never met him. Yeah, um, but uh, he used I, to be very funny I, I, when I watched. Yeah, him he was very good on Rock Profiles, the yes. David Williams show, as the sort of straight man when they were looning about pretending to be the Bee Gees. Oh, he was whatever. very good, wasn't he? Yeah, he's very good on that, um, and he's very good on the Ozone as well. Yeah, that is true. This is turning into sort of Theakston worship event, but it's not. Theakston, well, no, to be he's like just, that. he seems like he just seems like a, he, he's probably all right. Do you know what else though? I suddenly the other day for some reason uh, remember Jane Middlemiss. Remember Jane I do Middlemiss? remember Jane Middlemiss. Yeah, she was um, she Geordie or a yeah. Well, I think she was lass? from. She'd never get yeah, this wrong. Because people from Middlesbrough would be very offended if she's actually you know from not from the yeah from Gateshead yeah. or something. But, um, uh, yeah, she... I Because th- I was like, whatever happened to Jane Middlemiss? It turns out she's like got the afternoon show on Virgin Radio. I'd never noticed. Does she? Yeah, and Theakston's, like, oh. Heart FM, isn't he? Or he's not called Heart FM, he's always the heart. But he's the Heart FM breakfast show. Like That's right. So With Amanda um, Holden, who I realised yes. this morning is named after a car. Amanda Holden Commodore. <laughs> Actually, she's named after two vehicles. The Vincent Amanda. What? I think it was a Vince. It's the very, very first um, jet ski. What? Was, was, built, was built by, was called the Amanda. Vincent as in Black Shadow Vincent. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the Vincent Motorcycle Company invented the jet ski, and I'm pretty sure it was called an Amanda. Before I just start spouting. <laughs> no, you're, you're right. Profits. And I've just, I just typed it in, and the first thing that comes up is 
the, the little bit of text says the the Amanda water scooter was an ill-fated, poorly designed personal watercraft built in the fifties. <laughs> <laughs> ill-fated and poorly the, the, designed those are two things that always get the heart p- pumping um i know yeah. someone that's got one but i don't think they've ever really? ridden it yeah I, a guy who collects bubble cars who i've featured on off of the oh. like you know like the late bike show well, and, that um, totally makes sense it's got a very sort of bubble car vibe to it in that you sort of go hmm, better things are probably available um yeah Vincent well, it's, was I think struggling it's, it, apparently in the late 50s yeah and yeah. they came up with this revolutionary personal watercraft, powered by a 75cc two-stroke. Later models had 100 and 200cc engines. Lightweight monocoque shell, made from reinforced yep. fiberglass, propeller drive, could do 15 yep. miles an hour. The riders could sit or kneel, controlling it by handlebars, rose vertically in front of the seat. It was started That's with right. a re- recoil starter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was but you know what? We're, 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 what we are jesting, but that that was the that was the the humble beginnings of the jet ski, the Amanda. The the the, the it says here. I've just found an original advert: the sensational Amanda water scooter, <laughs> aqua scooting, the family vacation sport, spoets, oh. speeds of up to twenty miles an hour, exceptionally stable. Although it, right. there is a photo 20. of a guy who's fully clothed riding it. Looks like <laughs> he's wearing, wearing a woolen jumper. Suit. <laughs> yeah, you like why you? If you fall in with a woolen jumper, you'll suddenly add about eighty kilos to your body weight and well, sink also, to the bottom of the river. It doesn't matter how buoyant the thing is you're still going to get splashed surely and then the jump is going to get heavier and heavier until it feels like you're just being pulled downwards yeah. um, it says here in this article on our website called ride apart that um first of all it was very expensive it was 140 pounds in the 50s which is over three grand today i don't know when this article was written hang on this article was written... Oh, gosh, this article was written five years ago. It's probably even more than that now. So, But, yeah, quite expensive for a muckabout thing. And secondly, um, the glass fibre technology wasn't really very mature at that point. Right. And so the hull would warp when exposed to direct sunlight. So if you, le- if you left it... So if you it left more- it out in summer... <laughs> yeah. If you left it moored up on water in, in sunshine, say you lived in, you know, Italy or Florida or somewhere, then it would just warp and sink. Or just let loads of water in, so the two-stroke just started gurgling and then eventually <laughs> died a sorry death. Uh, but, yeah, and this is... Obviously, it didn't do much to save Vincent, and they closed in the late 50s. It's mad, isn't it? When wow. It's mad to think Vincent's that, you know, amazing. the Vincent motorcycles are some of the most desirable motorbikes these days. Yeah. And, and at the end of their life, it's the same as at the end of BSA's life, you know, they had some fairly tragic vehicles. Vehicles. Um, the that, that little tricycle that they made, which was apparently rubbish. Uh, oh, no, yeah, that BSA. was... BSA? Yeah, was it the BSA Aerial 3? Uh, let me... Oh, gosh, I don't we're know. Going, we're going... Well, BSA I think I, I, I don't three. want to know, oh. but I think I know. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. The BSA Aerial Three, oh, not to be oh. confused. It's not to wow. be confused by actual Aerial, who were a British bike manufacturer. Yeah, um, but um, <laughs> what, 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 I just did a search for BSA so Aerial Three, and apparently it was nicknamed the Trike of Terror. <laughs> was it really? 
Oh, gosh. Well, because it was BSA. It's one of BSA's last ditch attempt, I think, at competing with the influx of Japanese bikes um, and scooters. Mm. And um, I think it yeah, was a little so, shit. Uh, but yeah, I, it was a moped. Apparently, this is Wikipedia now, but let's go with it. Uh, the Aerial 3 was a sales flop and its £2 million development costs contributed significantly to the demise of BSA. Gosh. <laughs> wow! This is so... So, apparently, the, 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 the advert slogan for it... Yeah. <laughs> this is so brilliantly sort of self-defeating. The slogan was, here it is, whatever it is. What? Seriously? Yeah. It, oh, I, my God. I'm going to see if we can find a BSA... Aerial I found a promotional poster for the Aerial 3, true. which involves... I've got Olivia Newton-John, broadcaster David Jacobs, Bloody hell. the singer Cindy Kent, uh, who I don't know, and uh, a couple of other people. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, it did 120 miles to the gallon. Um, wow. With a top speed of just under 30. And two teams of Aerial 3 girls toured the country to display this new marvel. And a £70,000 budget was put aside with promotional events from village fates to racetracks like Brands Hatch. Well, Bloody hell. let me tell you, there is a BSA Aerial 3 on eBay here. It's an orange and oh, white gosh. one. And it is yes. £3,000. Well, I expect it's collectible it now. now because it wasn't very good and is now rare. So it, I think it's a pressed, quite a crudely pressed steel construction. Yeah. And, I, yeah, and, yeah. and I think the wheels were pressed steel, which looked like like disposable plates at a party. Um, yeah, they're quite, I don't know, they're quite cool. They're not very of their time. But yeah, here's another advert that says, Aerial 3 lets you laugh all the way to the shops. Well, I don't <laughs> look like I want to laugh like that. If no, there's a worry. You can sort of infer from that that other people are laughing at you, though. I think because it, it looks a bit. But didn't it lean though? Did it have that lean? Did it lean? And the, oh, the back, know. the two back wheels stayed. Did the front lean? You know that Honda built a similar trike in the eighties, which was probably much better. But I bet it used a similar idea. Was it the Honda Stream or the Honda? Oh yes, that rings a bell. I don't know, but we're getting a bit carry now. I think we're getting a bit carry up. A bit bikey, possibly for the first time ever. Sorry, Single sorry, cylinder. yeah, that's what. I'm... Oh my god! Imagine what this thing sounded like. Ah, yeah. So Honda did do Honda Bloody did do hell. a similar, very narrow rear track trike, two wheels at the back, called the Honda Stream in in the early eighties, and it was in a oh. magnificently eighties looking thing. You must you must look at this. Like, imagine Sarah Connor's scooter off of the eighties, <laughs> but with three wheels, and. Um, I remember the front part and the back part were um, hinged. So the back, the back part where the two wheels were, which had the engine in, stayed still. And the front end leaned like a normal moped or motorbike. And uh, I, I don't know if the BSA Aerial 3 did that, but I've just looked at a picture of a very old, frail-looking man trying to get his knee down, a black-and-white photo. And it oh, looks God. to me like either it's breaking in the middle or it's actually hinged. I can't work it out. Maybe listeners will have far superior knowledge than us. I suspect they do. Yeah, they um, probably will. I don't... I can't... I don't think it did hinge. I think it... Don't you? No. Whereas the Honda like Stream just, did. 
We, I mean, if we were in any way professional, we'd have prepared all of this in advance, but obviously we haven't. There's loads of articles about this area. I'm going to read up about this later because this is fascinating. But it's also, it's probably, it's a brilliant tale of how another plucky British company fucked itself. And went oh, hang on a minute. I've, I've just found a, I found a fantastic website, which I have heard of before, called Bike Curious. And... Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they, they, they <laughs> just worked that one out. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that was very late. That um, that was a bit delayed and, reaction. Sorry. And um, when I was looking for this Honda Stream trike, just to check, because I remember my my late nana in this sort of uh, block of retirement flats that she used to live in in Loughborough. Mm. There was someone who lived in the flats who had a Honda Stream because it used to park outside. So when I used to go and see her now and again, I would marvel at this futuristic thing but i still yeah. i think even as a very young lad i still wasn't entirely sure that it was a good idea i think i still stared at it and went hmm is that a good idea but it says here um the stream was honda's first tilting three-wheeler and it was built on a license from gl wallace and sons of surrey england gl wallace and son was a design company consisting of george wallace and his son obviously and a guy called stan jackson they initially tried to create the ideal bicycle for delivery services, and after coming to after coming to the sentiment that the most bicycle things had already been created, they looked into trikes. In 1967, they developed a prototype where the front leaned, but the back stayed flat. BSA originally bought the designs and turned it into the Aerial 3. And after that flopped, oh. BSA went out of business. George licensed the design to Daihatsu for a few years, and then after that, he let Honda run with it, and that is how the stream was born. Well, shiver my effing timbers. Shiver they are timbers. related. I am oh. not just I'm not just a gabbering fool. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I this, knew this so shit. Did, does this mean the Aerial 3 did lean then? Because it doesn't look I like think it, it does does in pictures. Oh, I think it did it, lean. I think it had a hinged spine. Yeah, it would make uh, more sense, wouldn't it? Because otherwise it's going to cock a wheel. And then it's just yeah, it's going to cock a wheel. And that, and that would be instant like sales flop death anyway, because you'd just... You'd end up understeering or high siding at low speeds wherever you went. I'm just thinking now. I'd like dodgy bike gangs in London to ride around on BSA Aerial Threes with hoods. There's some and, very uh, 
So this came out in what 1970. There's some very sort of of the time promotional pictures here with just a woman in a bikini writing it. Oh gosh, still got Oh, here happen? we go. Look, right. I found Is it a picture of it. It does lean. Yes. Okay. You can't also, say look because it's a podcast. <clears throat> oh yes. Yeah. Well, yes. I'm saying it's myself. Sorry. Look, going guys. Terribly well. Um, apparently, its other nickname was the Granny Killer. Oh well, even nicer. What was the other one? Tricycle of Terror. Trike of Terry. <laughs> oh gosh! Trike wow. of Terry. Oh my gosh! Well, I, 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 every day is a learning experience, and and today is no exception. I did not know about this. I'm sure a lot of listeners did, and they're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us something we don't know. Um, so there you go. Gosh. There you go. You tuned into Smith and Sniff for <clears throat> I don't know a small quantity of car chat, and what did you get? I tell you what, you got you got two pieces of trike intel. That's what you woke up for today. Um, I don't have any other news. Um, I know it's not a very professional thing to say. Well, I do have some news, oh. and it's uh, relating. In fact, since we're talking about Jamie Thixton, it's it's from our celebrity corner. But this is some. Um, this is pretty earth shattering, I think. Um, I'm a, sad now. A, a patron has got in touch. Um, I here's a. a a chap called Jack Mortimer, uh, who is out of off of the Daily Express. Uh, he's a journalist there, and he was Hi, talking Jack. this week to TV's Chris Goffey, out of old Top Gear. Right now, um, anyone who follows Chris Goffey on Twitter, and you should, will know yes. that he's got loads of stories about his time as a car journalist in the 80s 70s as well i guess um but uh and you know pre sort of pre him being on the tv but then also stories about his time at top gear he also infamously um rolled an mg maestro and then sort of hung from the seatbelt as the car went oil pressure low um, so uh, chris goffey is full of the stories now jack spoke to him just last week and he says we ended up talking about your podcast it turns out he's a listener. No effing way. That's what I said. No effing way. Jack says that Chris Goffey listens to our podcast. So, Chris, if you are listening, um, thanks for listening and thanks for the stories on Twitter. And as a few people on there have said, get these stories written down properly in a book because I would read the shit out of that. Uh, amen to that. And what I would like to also say, Chris, t- uh, is... Can you come on the late break show and do an idle chat with me? Oh, because I would because you are one of the people. You're the, one of the first people. You and William Woolard, who I and Clark, a very very young Clarkson, were the people that I watched as a kid, staying up late, uh, listening to the intro music of Top Gear, mm. and and it having a profound effect on me. And I'm I'm sure you're the same. So that's bloody hell. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. The Goffey. Yes. The Goffey taught us about cars when we was a formative when age. We was young, so, when, um, when we was young and all that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, well, I think, back I think, in yeah, the day. He'd make, um, he'd make a fabulous idle chat. But I was also going to say, just um, uh, uh, we would absolutely add him to our guest waiver list as well. So, uh, along Oh, with, can we? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So Lewis Hamilton, Sade, your dad, Bob. Uh, yeah. Who's on that? We said we added someone else the other day, didn't we? Anyway, but but definitely we Chris did Goffey. add somebody else. There is no question. 
that uh, I, that Goffy is on there. So um, anyway, I thought that was quite quite cool. Uh, I don't. I'm, uh, I'm amazed. I am, I'm truly amazed. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you just, go. Um, Chris would have okay, just been so, listening to this podcast then and gone, look, I knew about the BSA Aerial 3 and I knew about yeah. the Honda Stream. I probably rode yeah. it in 81 when it was launched. Yeah, I really And that's it, cool. Actually. Yeah, that is cool. Wow. Well, how do we follow that? How do we follow that? I don't that know. It's, uh, but it, it made me uh, very happy that, uh, that um, you know. I, I mean, um, I don't know why he listens to this. He, he seems like he's got lots of important things to be getting on with. Um, but anyway, thank you, Chris, if this is true. Um, I, I don't know what else I've got to say. Oh, I'll tell you what, something else that just uh, I've written in my notes is that because we, we've talked before about banger racers and yeah. improbable banger racers. The other weekend, I saw a, a, a banger car on the back of a flatbed. And it yeah. was a first-generation Yaris. Okay, yeah. So that, Which, that would have been, um, yeah, that would have been front-wheel drive kind of small, rookie bangers or whatever they call them. Oh, is it? Because yeah. I was going to say, it seemed to me like it was, on the one hand, we've said before a lot of times, they're a cockroach car. But yeah. that doesn't, I guess, necessarily translate into being a good banger car. No, I mean, it'll be in a class which is mostly uh, K11 Micras, Kaz mm. cars, Um and then you'll get any other small hatch. It's 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 in the front wheel drive. I can't remember the under thirteen hundred class, probably something like that. Right. So yeah, they're actually really quick and fun to watch. Um, oh, courses, you know that kind of toss. But yeah. Um, yeah, you wouldn't enter. I would suggest you wouldn't enter a. Uh, and I don't know if you're allowed to. I, I doubt you're allowed to. You couldn't enter that into an un- unlimited banger event or maybe you could but everyone would just warn you that you might not survive in, well, w- along with rolls shadows and like you know yeah. to previews and well this is the thing i just i don't think i'd want to be in a yaris when a jaguar xj6 hearse came barreling towards my driver's door uh, oh just my gosh it would be a bit potentially cheaper i don't know um, i think uh i was watching a bit of bang race while i was brushing my teeth the other night because I've run out of Iron Maiden to watch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've run out. I have honestly, I have run out. Because you know, I do brush my teeth twice a day like a normal person. And I have completely run out of any Iron Maiden material to watch uh, any music videos. So I, I'm just searching for the new Johnny Smith teeth brushing visual stimulus or oral stimulus. I haven't found um, it yet. But I, I found some Dutch, yeah, Dutch banger racing, which is ah, okay. quite high, quite high caliber actually. Um, a lot of Volvo three forties, local team, all that. Do you know what they they do? They do do the the, the mostly the seven and the nine forties. Um, ah, okay. But there's there's also a lot of American stuff, like eighties and nineties American stuff. So full bodied um, caprices and um, that kind oh. of stuff. I've noticed. Yeah, there's still a lot of those wow. floating around. Um, the Netherlands so I, d- I don't know why whether they were just sold quite well um, back in the day here uh, there yeah. even <laughs> so yeah there also <laughs> everywhere but uh, yeah I, I um, yeah I, I feel I always feel I always feel feels a bit dodgy watching banger racing because on the one hand it is a highly entertaining sport and the prep and actually being able to 
The car can I have to say the car control for Banger Racing is outstanding. When you consider that every lap your car will change the geometry of the suspension will change and oh, yeah. the driving dynamics will change. I hadn't thought right? about that. It's just also you're sort of you're not constantly fighting someone trying to do a pit manoeuvre on you. Yeah, of course you are. So you're going into a corner and trying to control the car and possibly line it up with to hit another car or just over or undertake another car. Someone is mm. trying to put you in the wall and or trying to pit manoeuvre you, and it must be blimmin' hard. There's a lot going on, and you, you you know that it's a full contact sport, so people are definitely. It's not like when you're on a racetrack where there might be a slight, slight collision, or the other week when I was karting and you think there might be a little bump and a little bit of a tussle. No, there's not a tussle. There's there's full like t-bone action going on here um <laughs> clear and present danger as they say i have to say Joe, hey, I, I, I don't know if i mentioned it that i went karting the other week no i was about Did to I say because i listened to the podcast with your celebrity mate greg james in which you went karting with the um with the fast and the curious podcast team you did yeah. all right there didn't you I, you held your own i did all right i did all right i i i um uh i have to say there was um there was a chap called um, a, ra- a pro racer called Brad Philpot who was very good, and mm. c- clearly was <clears throat> always going to wipe the floor with all of us. And he's uh, Brad's, I think, won at the Nurburgring and is an endurance racer. So he's here. Yeah, he's hot in the seat. Um, so I thought I'm never going to be able to go any- get anywhere near that, and I don't cart. So, and I'd also got off an eleven-hour flight, which doesn't help. And gone straight from Heathrow to to Docklands. Well, uh, I saw the the more attentive listener or Patreon, rather, I suppose, will notice that there's a picture of you on our our last week's show notes, uh, sitting with a crab-sized pastry and a bucket of coffee. Yes, in Monterey, in Northern California. Yes, and then if you look at the promotional picture for the Fast and Curious podcast that you're on, yes, which was recorded the following day, you're wearing the same T-shirt. Of course, I am because I because I got we, straight off we, a plane. We had a crab-sized pastry. Then we went to the airport. We got on a plane. We flew across the Atlantic. I went home sleeping in a car on the motorway that someone else was driving, and you went straight to a go kart track, which I can't think of anything worse. We did five, I think we did four or five heats. Bloody and hell. Um, bloody hell, my forearms and my wrists, they hurt for over a week afterwards. Really? Over a week. Oh, I had proper shit. kind of crab, crab claw wrist and forearm. Uh, <laughs> but I, it reminded me of how, yeah, so I, because I, I turned up a bit late because the event started before the plane landed. Oh. I had to get in my, I had to get in my heat, um, without having a chance to even learn the track. Yeah. So I'd never been to that track before. Now, I'm not bigging myself up at all. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I was, I was, I was nervous because I'm quite a slow track learner. And yeah. um, I, just, I just thought, I've got to get in and just give it bloody everything. I'd looked at the sort of, there was a sketch, you know, there, there, there's a, an illustration on the wall of the track, and I was just sort of mm. glancing at it here and there. Yeah, I got in it. I think I'm second fastest on that on that heat, and um, so I, yeah, was I was I was I think I might have chipped a tooth. I was gritting my teeth so hard. <laughs> you know, when you properly grit your teeth like that, you're like, "Fucking come on, let's fucking do this." Um, so I did a bit of that for for context for listeners who haven't seen this. The the, the, the 
background is that because Greg James does a, a podcast called Fast and the Curious about F1, but that this was an F1 podcast's karting day. Is that right? Yeah, it was. It was organised by Acast, who host podcasts, including ours, mm. and they'd invited specific kind of motorsport related podcasts along um, to battle it out as in a friendly. It was a mm. social event, but it was it was an all day event. So you can imagine. I think there was something like seventeen driving heats. Each one was fifteen minutes, so it was well, busy. Yeah. yeah, and I hadn't eaten enough, so I started sculling nuts. <laughs> I, I and, you, and also Greg, you had just got off a transatlantic flight, which I had just got just, off on a flight. Geez. Yeah, Greg James was like, "Are you? Uh, how did that feel?" I went, "It was okay." I said, "The problem was, as I just downed a load of peanuts before I got in the car and didn't really drink enough water, so I got out the cart with the driest of mouths because <laughs> I thought I need a little bit of slow release energy, but at the same time needed probably some water too." So uh, well, yeah, but I, do, I would like to go karting work. again. Well, thanks. I haven't been karting for years, but I'll be honest, I just. I, I have mixed feelings about karting. It's the same way I have mixed feelings about track driving. There's a point at which I just get bored. Just go, I've been here before. Well, that's when I just try and experiment and go a little bit more dangerous or faster. And I don't think that's the right well, attitude, frankly. No, I did that once on a stag do in Brighton. And I went you know, onto the karting. There was a there was a sort of hairpin. And I realised that if you absolutely slung it in, you could effectively sort of turn in far too early and sort of drift across the apex oh great and and i was getting a little bit carried away with that and then i just overdid it drifted past the apex and into the tires (laughs) on the other side of the track and you know the engine sits right sort of almost next to you on those carts yes and i i absolutely smashed my um ribs on the engine cover but then the race finished and we almost immediately started sculling lager because it was a stag do and it was only the next morning i realized i think i'd cracked a couple of ribs and it was extremely painful for a good week or so afterwards okay i know i've got this image of you slapping the tires so hard and you know that really stagnant water that just like rooster oh, tails man. out of it and raining down on that you happening i just i i I have a feeling though it's also it's horrible when you do that kind of thing like a side on thing and um your your head because it's got the helmet on as well it's sort of full ragdolls around it it, it just feels skeletally unhealthy that wasn't the last time I went I think I went I went kind of off-road karting at a place near Bristol in fact on a stag do more recently although still years ago and they did this big thing. What I remember is there was a porter cabin, because there always is, isn't there? There's sort of outdoor yeah. car tracks. There's a manky porter yeah. cabin. And in the main sort of briefing room, they had this like, velour, <laughs> velour three-piece suite. I was like, hang on, my parents had this in the 80s. <laughs> now it's been demoted to being the furniture in a, in a slightly shabby off-road karting place. And they gave us this big talk about no contact. Of it course. was a dry summer's day dust kicks up i couldn't see where the fuck i was going and i absolutely some fun fuck with were you not wearing were you not wearing your sort of like 90s um insect eyes shades oh probably yeah because i was near bristol i probably was massively wrap around matt leblanc spec but even so (laughs) i just couldn't see a damn thing and then suddenly i just so i i just a a cart suddenly appeared out of the the dust i swerved (laughs) but not enough 
whacked three quarters my front wheel hit the back of that car bent the front wheel back and then i just skidded off into a cornfield oh gosh you properly ruined it you mucked and it they right. were really cross with me as well and i cut my finger i cut my hand and, and, and they had to take me into the park and old suite and put a plaster on it. like you know, it, was, it was so weird because first of all they were really cross because they went we sold you no contact and no going into the field and i was like well a i didn't do the contact deliberately and b i didn't go into the field deliberately it's because the car broke because of the fucking crash and then they had to do this sort of ceremonial putting on of the plaster like they were fulfilling their health and safety obligation by doing that because oh. i was bleeding <laughs> i got That's to say the last time i've ever been in the car and did did the did water come flying out of those tires like i mentioned and soak your boot cut jeans and so you had to be out on the lash for the rest of the day with some slightly stagnant smelling boot cuts well no because they give you those painter and decorator overalls that oh yeah the they do suits, don't they? So. oh yeah they do I, f- I totally forgot about those and it, you, you've got the choice they're either really slack and yeah. um, I don't know, you look like you're wearing your dad's clothes to a fancy dress do when you're a kid. Or um, you have camel toe situation going yes. on. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, they, and they, ideally, they slice you in half. And the, the, I, ordinarily, I would go for the slack trouser. Because um, mm. I did actually notice the ones I wore um, when I was carting with the Fast and Curious. Mine were exceptionally boot cut. I might have even taken a photo, I can't remember. But... Um, the problem is, is I was worried about all the surplus material gathering around because the pedal, the pedals on a car, you know, you've got those extra spring-loaded, um, what are they? They're like a, a block which comes down over for people who want a shorter reach pedals because uh, you can't yes, adjust yeah, the yeah. seat on a car, so you you, yeah. you put blocks on the pedals. I was worried mm. about it all clogging up in that, but also I had so much surplus kind of under the arm. <laughs> and a width widthwise on the torso material i was really close to the engine and the engine was scorching hot anyway yeah 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 i thought i'm going to set these overalls on fire like mid race and end up being like a rubbish red arrow like going around with like blue flames coming out of the back because my blue overalls are on fire and i won't even notice because i'm so busy like gritting my teeth and like hanging on for grim death uh which i was doing um I have to say it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Mm. And car, I've, I, I've said this before. I never carted as a kid. I, I had first carted at sixteen, by which point I'd already driven a car numerous times. I, I first drove a car when I was ten, so oh. driving a car felt really alien because I mm. had already started feeling the basics of an actual car. So I was never very good at karting. Huh. But I do enjoy it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's almost interesting, isn't it? It's almost interesting. Almost interesting. Well, that's, that's what we strive for, really. But um, I, I'd like the fact that the that guy off Greg's podcast, Christian, was yeah. at the beginning. He was he was very because he I gather from listening to that he used to cart. Um, yeah, he did. Sort of not professionally, but you know, it was kind of it was his his hobby. And uh, at the beginning, he was like, "This isn't a proper cart track," because uh, it was a kind of stag do thing, wasn't it? It's one of those places. Yeah. Do you know what though? I think it was. I think the track was really technical. It was a. It was an up. It was an up and over. So it had a higher level and a lower level oh, at one end. Yeah. Which was plywood and it and really grippy. Oh. Um, yes. That's the last time I went karting. Actually, it was my brother's stag do in Manchester, and that had a. That was an indoor one with an up and over. Yeah. Same deal, and you've got this mismatch of of grip 
between yes slightly polishedy skatey concrete floor and then sudden plywood ramp exactly and it's exactly you can get that. quite caught out on it you can get very caught because you can dig in quite hard on the plywood but you can't so much on the concrete and of course the, mm. the ramp down um is quite steep Mm. Um, so you have to give it. You have to be careful when you're tran- trans- tr- transcending, trans, whatever you're doing, transitioning from the the high level to the lower level, and vice versa. But yeah, mm. it was it it was it was good fun. It was it, it made me realise that I'd good. like to do that more often. In fact, maybe we should ask Nigel Mansell if he would invite us to his karting track, but only if <laughs> only if Nigel. Well, we have and to be allowed to have a go in the. Um, in the slick tired oh the uh, bedford rascal, rascal the pickup Otherwise, i hope they've still got breaker, it yeah i really um, hope they've still got it now before we wrap this up uh i wanted to read out a uh, a listener's message well it's actually it was a, so it's a patron uh, called guy i won't say his surname in case he doesn't want us to but he did put this in the public domain he left it as a comment on the under the last podcast on the patreon because we mentioned the Renault Licar, which is what the five was called in the US. Yes. But this jogged Guy's memory. Guy had, then towards the end of the Renault Five's life, or the, the Mark I Renault Five's life in this country, there were Licar special editions, sort of run-out models. Licar 2, I think, was the, was the run-out on the first generation five. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Guy says, my first car, aged 17 in 1990 was a Renault 5 Licar 2. It was absolute bobbins. This was back in the day when a five-year-old car felt like it was 15 years old at least. Some magical adventures were had in it. This was our chariot of choice to get us to the raves around East Anglia. It never let us down getting to a rave, but did let us down getting home again the next morning on numerous <laughs> occasions. In fact, my mates used to sing, Licar, Licar, you take us far, but never get us back again. <laughs> so many tales but the, one of the best was after we'd been to proper stuff rave in Cambridge I've never would, proper stuff yes now uh, Guy is advocating uh, what I believe to be um, illegal substances obviously we don't endorse that bloody blah is very bad for you but anyway these are good stories so um, he says it was a lovely lovely evening of fine music it was a very dismissive and red and black caps say that again say that, sorry it was a lovely, lovely evening of fine music, doves, and red and black caps. Um, the evening was ended early when the police raided the carpet warehouse unit we'd borrowed for the evening. Oh, <laughs> right, OK. Carpet F- warehouse. <laughs> Full illegal raving. It was a laugh-filled drive back to Norwich, giggling as we drove round Cambridge for the eighth time, lost... And we eventually got onto the A14. As I pulled into my mate's village to drop him off, we suddenly hit some really thick fog as we went down the hill. I hit the brakes and they had gone completely, or so I thought. It was actually ice. I realised it was ice as I smashed into the curb, hit a grass verge and landed in someone's front garden, arse of the car in the air. Screams of you daft see from the back seat <laughs> as the mordant short hi-fi speakers which sat loose on the parcel shelf <laughs> along with the plastic tape holder and the 48 mixtapes smashed into the back of my mate's heads. <laughs> we sat there for what seemed like ages until we worked out what had happened. I managed to open the driver's door, dragging it through someone's lawn and got out a bit dazed. 
As I looked up, the owner of the house was stood no more than six feet away from me with a garden rake in his hand and his mouth wide open. Completely shocked, I babbled, I reckon it'll come out nice later. His silent (laughs) response panicked me into then saying, what the fuck are you doing gardening at 7am on a Sunday (laughs) in the fog? I jumped back in the car and shut the door, quickly locked it and sat there completely silent. (laughs) He came over to the car and knocked on the window. I still remember pissing myself laughing at my mate screaming, Don't open it! He's tooled up! (laughs) (laughs) The good thing is, is the car's got such thin metal and glass, the person outside will hear everything. Everything. I know exactly. (laughs) Bless his heart, the old boy then helped us to get the car out of his front garden and waved us on our way. Oh, God, the bumper still was working. cracked, the near side ring was crunched and the headlight pushed back under the now bent bonnet, but she could take it. <laughs> a couple of Fridays later, we were out and about driving around, going nowhere, as we all did back then, and my mate Rob was desperate for a pee. He couldn't hold on any longer, so I pulled over on some back road. He got out and stood using the passenger door as a bit of cover in case any cars came along and peed up against the verge. This called for a bit of a giggle, so I quietly put the car in reverse and started to drive slowly. Rob started screaming, stop! The other four of us were in hysterics, the thought of him being pushed over by the car door while trying to pee. However, the smile was soon wiped off my face. I was not getting him with the door. The corner of the door was caught in the verge. He got back in the car and closed the door and it just bounced open again. We had bent the bloody hinge. Uh, We spent the rest of the evening with Rob holding the door closed as we now had a three-inch gap between the door and the door frame. That was the end of Licar 2. Well, there's a lot going on there. Um, Yes, there's a little supplementary adventure here as well. (laughs) He said it had taken us on many adventures. We drove down the embankment of a dual carriageway that was under construction. It seemed like a good idea at the time. I genuinely thought we were going to die. We also slept in a turning point in the middle of a dual carriageway on the A47 after the fuel line was ripped apart. And every time a lorry came past, we thought it was going to turn into us and crush us to death. But you slept in it. They slept in it. Oh my gosh. Guy, thank you for your memories of your Licar 2, um, a, a great tale of a plucky car. I like the fact that there's always a minimum of five people in this car in all of those stories. <laughs> Do you know what? Rave, rave journeys, um, always always entertaining anecdotes, I think. Like you say, that era was interesting because it was early 90s, lots of people were still daily driving 70s and 80s cars. Mm. Uh, which were of dubious reliability, possibly, and maybe being run on a shoestring. That was almost the charm of it. As I, we've said it before, whenever you see any rave videos that are posted up on YouTube, which I do sometimes thumb through. Um, <laughs> Is this not your new toothbrushing thing? You could just watch. Actually, like, bloody hell, it could be, couldn't it? Fuzzy That's VHS what it could be. copies. Man, I'll be brushing my rave. teeth so furiously. I'll be, I'll be brushing my teeth. I'll end up with bleeding gums every day. That's not going to be healthy, well, is it? It's like every so often you just send me clips of things off Instagram where it's like a bunch of Dutch people at a Gabba rave and it always gives me an instant headache. <laughs> well, do you, know what, do you know what Gabba dancing is called? I actually found it out. No. It's called Dakar. Is it? Not Dakar. No. Yeah, D-A-K-K-E-R. I'm pretty sure. It's sort of like really Dakar. fast Dakar yeah. Rave dancing is called, uh, yeah, it's called Dakar. 
So I, I, I don't know if hundreds. Don't know if I don't know if that you know grueling motorsport event has any kind of connection with it. But I'm going to say no. But uh, you know, Paris Dakar. Um, right. Well, look, we should bring this into land. Um, but before we do, three things to tell you. They are one. Johnny has a solo YouTube channel. It's called the Flaky Pate Show in which he tours the country looking for balding old men with very dry scalps. Uh, oh, God. Taste. <laughs> it's this. There's always the late break show. Lots of excellent videos on there. And also uh, a video of you and me walking around the paddock at Rennspouts in America from a couple of weeks ago. Yes, indeed. That video is live. Uh, it would be lovely it's if you were to go and watch it. It's a bit. It's a bit of a shambles, but uh, hopefully you get to see some really nice cars, and we're not standing in the way of all of them. No, we tried not to. We didn't have a great deal of time. It was quite a very busy event to capture anything rushed, with, yeah, with, with videographers. But there's a couple more videos from that event to come, um, and the latest video on the Late Break Show is actually quite a. It's quite a, a sentimental one about. Um, a chap who um, has a, a barn find uh, MG Montego Turbo, um, oh, who sadly is, he sadly died the week before this video um, went out. So it's a bit of a tribute oh, to him. Yeah, yeah, and it was, um, but it was a, he was a lovely guy, a real dyed in the wool um, Rover Austin Rover um, MG fanatic. He had everything. Mm. His, his everyday car was. Um, was a V8 um, MG ZT. And uh, wow. yeah, so watch that if you fancy it, uh, I would say. Mm. Uh, and all well, the Renspoets walk around. And obviously the yeah, the secrets out about my ghetto boxster, which I still have to mm. go and fetch. I must actually go oh. and get it now. Second thing I've got to tell you is I have various books on sale. Um, one of them, I was looking at the sale. <laughs> I was looking at the sales numbers the other day for something else. And um, uh, Boring Car Trivia Volume 2 is the yeah. conspicuous underperforming member of the Boring Car Trivia family. Uh, really? sold as well. Yeah, one is by far the biggest seller, but three did all right and, and continues to sell. Two, for some reason, sort of not as, not as popular. I don't know why. I actually thought two was probably better than one. But anyway... Um, so if you want to go and buy one of my books, go and buy Boring Car Trivia 2, the poor, sad runs of the litter at the moment. And Boring Car Trivia 4 is is close. It's very close. I've almost got it sorted. Um, it will be on sale soon. I I, I look forward to it. I, I do love a Boring Car Trivia. Mm, um, there's some good well, stuff then you can in, put the, in the new stick one. Stick your Vincent Amanda in the next one. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah there you go. Have that. Put that in your pipe um, and smoke it. <laughs> uh, third thing I've got to tell you is cream crackers were invented in Ireland, and um, there's no time to expand on that. But um, in, thank I, you in Ireland, so much for did listening. you say? Yes, yes, in Ireland, in Dublin, uh, by a man <laughs> called Joseph Horton, I think. Anyway, it's not that interesting. Uh, and on that note, uh, we should bring things to a close. But thank you ever so much for listening. We will do this all again next week. Uh, until then, goodbye. Bye now. Cheers, mate. Thanks, mate. Bye. You know just what to do. Like and subscribe and review You know just what to do Like and subscribe and review You know just what to do Like and subscribe and review <laughs> Cheers then mate! Cheers Tom Finger, thanks mate! Cheers then, thanks mate, bye! <laughs>